We're going to take a look at the book of, uh, book of Hebrews uh, together this morning. We're coming towards the, the end of this series, and by the end of December, we will have gone through the whole Bible uh, together, uh, which is quite a feat. Um, and we've been thinking through the four-part story of Scripture together, of creation and rebellion and redemption uh, and restoration, and how the book of Hebrews really kind of fits into uh, all of that. And this is just a slight overview of the book of Hebrews in general. Um, the book of Hebrews is 13 chapters long, and what the book of Hebrews is doing is showing us how everything has always been moving toward Jesus. And the way the book of Hebrews does that is by connecting for us the Old Testament with Jesus. How everything in the Old Testament was looking forward to Jesus and how Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that we see in the Old Testament. And so Jesus is the fulfillment of the four-part story, even, of creation. He is the one who responds to our rebellion with redemption. He even becomes our sin for us that we might be redeemed. And he promises new life and the restoration of all things. And so that's a big picture um, look at what the book of Hebrews is about. And here's a little bit of, uh, of an encouragement um, to you. Uh, sometime this week... I would encourage you to carve out the time, to take out the time, to sit down and to read the book of Hebrews in one sitting. It's 13 chapters long. It's not short. But let me tell you, it is worth it. So I would encourage you uh, to get a feel for everything that is going on in the book of Hebrews. At some point in time this week, I'd encourage you to sit down, to read the book of Hebrews and to read this marvelous work where the writer of Hebrews is connecting everything in Scripture and everything in the Old Testament to Jesus and how he's a fulfillment of all of those things and that everything is moving toward him. Okay, there's my overview and there's my encouragement to you. Uh, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at Hebrews uh, chapters 11 uh, and 12 together. And I'm just going to read some snippets uh, from that. But... Um, and after that, I'll pray for us. But beloved, this is God's word for God's people this morning. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Moving down to verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him, as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar." and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. And then chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight 
and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray together. Ask God to help us understand his word. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, for your word. Your word that tells us that out of nothing you spoke and brought all things into existence, including us. And that we are people who are made in your image to reflect your glory in your world. To be in relationship with you. To be obedient, to follow you because you are our God and we are your people. We recognize that we don't always do that as we should. We are rebellious, we are sinful, and that we need a redeemer. And so we pray that you would help us see from your word this morning that our Jesus has accomplished salvation and that he is the founder and perfecter of our faith. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would work that faith into us deeper and deeper to know even more deeply that our Christ has given himself for us and that he is alive and that we are brought into resurrection life with him and that we are going to inhabit a world made by his hands that will be new and where sin will be no more. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it's pretty clear as we look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11 that, that a big subject in this chapter is, is the idea of faith. Um, and faith is something that is this fairly commonplace, actually, if you really think about it. It's, it's something that we exercise on a daily basis in very routine kinds of things. Um, think about it like this. When you or I uh, get into our car and we start our car and we start driving our car down the road and we have to come to a stop and we press those brakes, we have faith that the brake lines in our car are attached the way that they're supposed to be and that that car is going to stop, right? You keep moving that forward a little bit. We all have faith as we're driving on the road that the, that the traffic lights are timed exactly right and that there's not going to be an instance in which there are green lights on every single one of the traffic lights going on. We have faith in that, that that is going to be something that's going to work, it's going to happen. We even have faith in one another as we drive on the road, that we're going to stay in between the lines, right? And so faith is something that we, that we practice on a very routinely and a daily basis. But faith is also multifaceted as well, too. I mean, as we already named at the beginning of the service, like we are, I don't know about you, but man, do things feel like really uncertain right now, Right? I mean, I, I think we're all nervous about coronavirus. We're all nervous about an election that's going to happen. We're all nervous about what's going to happen after that as well, too. And so faith also feels like something that's shakable as well. And even in the midst of this coronavirus, uh, many of you, uh, if you graduated from high school or graduated from college, you had faith that your high school graduation was going to be like normal like everybody else's. And it didn't happen. Right? So faith is also something that we feel like can be something that can be something that is shakable and not necessarily sure. And what I want us to see this morning from Hebrews chapter 11 and chapter 12 is that when the Bible thinks about faith and talks about faith, yes, faith applies to the daily and the routinely things, but the Bible also invites us to engage faith when it comes to the big questions of life. Questions like, who am I? What am I made for? 
where is all of this going? And the Bible tells us that God, and this is our main point for this morning, that God is the author of faith. That God is the author of faith and that our God is a God who is absolutely and always stable. Always we can put and place our faith and our hope in our God. And so there's a few things that I want us to see about faith this morning from Hebrews chapter 11 and 12. What we're going to talk about this morning, God's the author of faith. We're going to talk about what it is, what faith is. Uh, We're going to talk about how it works. And then we're going to talk about what that means, what that means uh, for us. So faith, what what it is, what is faith? Well, underlying what the writer of Hebrews writes here in Hebrews chapter 11 is something that we've already stated in our worship service together that we see Paul write about in Ephesians chapter 2. And that is that faith is a gift that God gives us. That faith, that, that God is the author of faith and it is a gift that he gives you and me. Faith is not something that you or I work for. It's not something that we merit. It's not even something that we muster up within ourselves. Rather, faith is a gift that is given to us by God. And what is it that that gift gives us? The writer of Hebrews tells us. Assurance of things hoped for. Conviction of things that are not seen. That's what faith gives us. The gift of faith gives us an assurance and things hoped for and a conviction of things not seen. The entire chapter uh, 11 of the uh, the book of Hebrews is, is basically spelling that reality out through many, many, many different uh, Old Testament brothers and sisters in the faith. That's what chapter 11 is doing, is showing us how those people had an assurance in things hoped for and a conviction in things that were not yet seen. So here's the way it kind of works out. Um, Assurance of things hoped for. These people in the Old Testament, whether it's Noah or Enoch or Abel or Abraham or Moses, they were hoping for a redeemer who would purchase forgiveness for their sins. You see, they recognized that they were sinful and rebellious and we live in a sinful and a rebellious and a broken world and that we need a redeemer. And they were looking to that, having an assurance and a hope that God was going to be the one who was going to provide that redemption. They had an assurance and things hoped for. But not just that, they had an assurance and things hoped for uh, when it came to the restoration of all things. I mean, as you read chapter 11, and in a few moments we're going to double-click on Abraham and Sarah, but as you read chapter 11, you see that it is riddled with people who were looking forward to a city and a time and a place that would be built by God with His very own hands. They have an assurance in things they're hoped for, a conviction in things that are not seen. And when we get to the conviction of things not seen, the writer of Hebrews immediately jumps right into verse 3 there and says, just like, just like creation. You have a conviction in things that you have not necessarily seen and placed your eyes upon. You see, the recipients of the book of Hebrews and even even the people that the, the writer of Hebrews writes about in Hebrews chapter 11, they weren't there when God spoke everything into existence. 
But we and they have a conviction that that is true and that is real. That God, by the power of his word, spoke and things came into existence. And so it's a conviction in things that we haven't necessarily laid our eyes upon personally. We weren't there, but we believe it to be true. Which means it's a conviction that we are those and that humanity are those who are made in God's image to reflect God's glory in the world. That we are made for relationship with God. The kind of relationship where we place our faith and our hope and our trust in Him and we follow Him and are obedient to what God's Word tells us who we are supposed to be. It's a conviction in things that are not yet seen, a faith and hope. You see, faith is a gift. It's a gift that's given by God. It gives us assurance of things hoped for, conviction of things that are not seen. And what all of that really shows us and points us to is that faith is always something that is outside of self. Faith is always something that is beyond us, that is outside of us, which tells us the second thing that we see about faith and what it is, is that faith always has an object. Faith always has an object. We are always placing our faith in something. Uh, again, the brake lines in our car, right? Like we're placing our faith in the mechanics of our car that they're working the way that it's supposed to work. We're placing our faith in the fact that whoever it is that's governing the traffic lights and the timing on it is doing their job, right? Like we are placing our faith in something. And what the Bible tells us and shows us from Hebrews 11 and 12 is that when we come to those bigger questions of life, who am I? Where did I come from? What am I made for? Where is everything going? That the answer to that is faith in the person and work of Jesus. That Jesus is the object of our faith. It, it, Jesus is the object of the gift of faith. Which means that Jesus is the one who is showing us who made us. Our God did. What we were made for to reflect and to bear his image in the world, to reflect his glory for relationship with him, for relationship with one another, to follow God, to be obedient to his word, where everything is going, toward Jesus. Jesus is the object of our faith. He is the one in whom we are to place the assurance of our hope and the conviction of the things that are not seen into, is into Jesus. And so what is faith? Faith is a gift that's given by God. It works into us, assurance in things hoped for, conviction in things that are not seen. And Jesus is the object of our faith. So that's what it is. All right, let's think a little bit together about how it works. How does faith work? And here's what I, what I want us to see from Hebrews 11 uh, on how faith works. is Faith works looking backwards and looking forwards. Faith works looking backwards and looking forwards. 
notice that chapter 11 is rooted again in that verse 3 right there. In creation. So everybody that gets named after verse 3, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, it even mentions, the writer of Hebrews even mentions people uh, 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 who, who suffered terrible, terrible things. People whom this world was not even worthy. Or looking backwards to the reality that God is the God of creation, who spoke everything into existence, including you and me. So, so everyone is looking back to God and his faithfulness. Looking back to that. So it's rooted in that. And everybody in chapter 11 is looking back to that. We see that specifically. Uh, let's double click real quick on Abraham and Sarah. In verse 8, we see that Abraham, by faith, followed what God was asking him to do. Which means that Abraham was a man who was looking backward to the faithfulness of God, backward to the reality that he was someone who was made in God's image to reflect his glory, to bear God's image in his world, to be in relationship with God, to be obedient to what God was calling him to do. And Abraham followed. He did it. God called him to leave his family, to leave the land where he grew up, and to go to a land that God was promising him. You can go back to Genesis 12 and read all about this. And God tells him, look, I'm sending you there, and let let me tell you, in you all of the nations will be blessed. And so Abraham was looking backward at a God who is faithful, at a God who had made him for the purpose of living life with him, for the purpose of reflecting his image in the world and pursuing the glory of God and being obedient to him. We see the same thing with Sarah as well too in verse 11. So Abraham and Sarah, like they get older and and they haven't been able to have any children. Um, And they're so old that I think it's in verse 12, the writer of Hebrews says that it's as good as Abraham was dead. Like that's how old Abraham was when God came to Sarah and said, Sarah, here's what I'm going to do. I, even though you are barren, even though you've been unable to have children, even though you've been unable to conceive and to do that, I'm going to give you a child. And also let me tell you this, through that child, you will have descendants that will be larger than the number of stars in the sky than the number of grains of sand on the seashore. And Sarah, looking back to this God who had always been faithful, trusted what God said. Why does verse 11 say she trusted what God said? Because the one who promised it was faithful. Because God was faithful. He was worthy of her faith and her trust. She was looking backward in faith to God and his very own faithfulness to her and to Abraham. And then you read the rest of chapter 11, and it's, it's riddled with all of that, of looking backwards, a faith that looks backwards. But also, faith looks forwards as well, too. It looks backwards, and it looks forwards. Um, Let's take Abraham again. Verses 17 through 19 in chapter 11. If you read that, it recounts a little bit of the story of when God calls Abraham to take his his one and only son, Isaac, the one whom he promised to Sarah, 
and to go up to a hill and to place Isaac on an altar and to sacrifice his one and, uh, and only son. And it's really fascinating if you go back to Genesis 22, I believe it is, um, and read this story because Abraham and Isaac, they have these servants that are with them. Um, they are going and they're, get, and they're gathering everything to go and to make this offering, this sacrifice on this altar and everything. And they get right to the hill where they're about to walk up and to go and to do this. And Abraham, is, is, as, as a father of a one and only son, is going to, to have to lay his child down um, to give him up. Uh, and he looks at his servants and he says, the boy and I are going to go up and we will come back. And the author of Hebrews in chapter 11 verses 17 through 19 gives us commentary on that. That Abraham trusted that God was a God of resurrection. That God is a God of life. He was looking forward to resurrection life. Abraham had a faith that was looking forward to that. Abraham had a faith that was looking forward to the reality that there would be a day when his heavenly father would give up his one and only son. When Jesus would come and for the joy that was set before him would endure the cross. And would be that one and only sacrifice to cover for and to atone our rebellion and our sin. And to purchase resurrection life for you and for me. Abraham was looking forward to that day. He had a faith that looked forward. And not just Abraham too. If you look at verse 13... It, it's a, it, verse 13 tells us that all these people that have been listed to this point, they died. But they died clinging to the promise. One that they did not grasp in their lifetime, but that they looked at from afar. Knowing that they had a God who was faithful. They were looking forward. And the thing that they were looking forward to, and the thing that even Abraham is looking forward to, is resurrection life. Absolutely. Absolutely. The Redeemer, Jesus to come. But verse 10 and verse 13 also show us they were looking forward to the restoration of all things. That Abraham followed God looking forward to a city that God himself was going to build with his very own hands. And that the, the people of God in the Old Testament were even glimpsing that. Looking forward to restoration. Don't you see how, like, how deeply embedded the four-part story of Scripture has always been in God's people? That we are a people made by God for relationship with Him in His image, to reflect His glory in the world, to be obedient in that relationship with Him. That we're, we're rebellious and sinful, and that we need forgiveness, and that God Himself sends His one and only Son to die on the cross for you and for me, for the joy that was set before Jesus. That's you and me. He endured the cross so that we would be his bride. And he is seated, verse 3 of chapter 12 tells us, at the right hand of the throne of God. You know what that tells us? Our Jesus is king. He is ruling and reigning and that everything is moving toward Jesus. Faith is a gift that's given by God. It gives us assurance and conviction. Jesus is always the object of our faith. 
And it works looking backward and looking forward. And so what does that mean for you and for me? What does that mean for us? Verse 1 of chapter 12 says, Look, this is a great cloud of witnesses that I've just listed here before you. Everyone from from Abel to Noah to Abraham to David to Moses to even these people who died insufferable deaths, people of whom the world was not worthy. These are a cloud of witnesses. So remember them, but look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Jesus is the founder, the author, and perfecter of your faith. So here's what it means for us. What's true for Abraham is true for you and for me. The way faith works is we look backwards to God's faithfulness. Now we, on this side of Jesus' incarnation and his work on the cross, we look back to what Jesus has done for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross for us, despising the shame for us. We look back to that. Abraham was looking forward. Moses was looking forward. But we, along with Abraham and Moses and all of the Old Testaments of old, we are also looking forward to a city that God himself is building with his own hands, the redemption of all things, the restoration, new creation, new heavens and new earth in Jesus. So what's true for Abraham, what's true for the saints of the Old Testament is also true for us as well too. And that is is that Everything in our lives and everything in this world is absolutely moving toward Jesus. And that Jesus actually accomplished salvation and redemption for us. And that he is going to make all things new. So let's take a few moments to talk about like practically, okay? What does that mean? Practically, what does that mean? Because if it's true for Abraham and the people of the Old Testament, it's true for us. Here's another thing that we, that we see in these chapters, too, is that we are called strangers and exiles. That we are a people who are living in a time and living in a land that is not our ultimate home. And so there is faith to be exercised and practiced as we await the coming of our King when Jesus comes and makes all things new. So practically, what does faith look like for us? Well, it means this, we carry Jesus with us. He is with us everywhere we go. Everywhere in thought, in word, and in action. And that means... That we trust and we believe we have faith that God is at work. God is at work moving everything toward Jesus. And that means something for us because it means that God is at work working obedience into us to follow Jesus, to follow his Word in all kinds of different ways in our lives. We'll, We'll pick just a few here. All right, so what does faith look like for us practically? It's seeing, trusting, believing that God is at work, working obedience in us in times of tempting and testing. 
And that's one of the examples that the author of Hebrews uses in, in Hebrews 11 is that, is that Abraham was a man who was, whose faith was tested. Who God called and asked him to follow him, not knowing where that was ultimately necessarily going to go. Think about this. Jesus was absolutely tempted, right? Absolutely tested. And here's the difference between Jesus and Abraham. Jesus was always faithful. (laughs) Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. We waver. But what God is doing in us is working obedience in us to be more and more like Jesus who is perfect, who is the author of our faith. And so when times of testing come, we have an opportunity to live in faith that God is at work in that. That means that when we have the opportunity where we could either tell the truth or deceive, we exercise faith by being obedient to tell the truth. And that works on so many different levels. We exercise faith in obedience um, in testing when we are tempted to just really join in on the heat getting turned up and the fever pitch that is our cultural and political conversation and to just join in to the pylon. Or, or we can back off and be measured. We can express a, a kindness and love and gentleness toward one another and towards those that we even disagree with. Why? Because our Jesus always had a perfect faith. God is at work in us. It means that when given the opportunity to talk about people behind their back, we don't have to do that. We don't have to gossip. We can even lean in and say, you know what, I don't think it's right for us to do, to, to do this. Or we can lean in the conversation and say, I don't, I don't think this is moving in a healthy direction. I think we're going to get really, really worked up. We're probably going to say things that, that, that are going to hurt each other. God is at work in us, working obedience in those moments of when we're tempted and tested and, and, and we could go the way of sin and destruction or we could go the way of life and love and gentleness. It's also seeing that faith is trusting, believing, knowing that God uh, is at work in our relationships. That God's at work in our relationships. That God collectively in our relationships with one another is making us more and more like Jesus. Which means that as we interact with each other, we can have a posture of humility. We can have a posture of charity toward one another. That whatever it is that we're talking about, that we can, we can assume that the person sitting across from us knows more and cares more about it than I do. And if both parties are taking that posture towards one another, then that means that thickness grows in relationship. That it's not thin and shallow and on the surface, but rather it's deep and it's abiding. Why? Because it's held together by Christ and what He has done. Faith, trusting, knowing, and believing that God's at work in our relationships with one another. Faith also works itself out, trusting, knowing, and believing that God is at work um, in the midst of uncertainty. And we've already named that this morning. 
how uncertain everything feels. And let me tell you, in the midst of uncertainty, it is really easy to operate out of fear. It is really easy to, 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 to operate out of, out of fear. And then when we operate out of fear, what we think is that God's not with us in the midst of the uncertainty. And then we start lashing out at everybody else. And we start thinking about everybody in our lives. Well, either they're on my side or they're against me. But that's not what faith is. That's not the kind of faith that Jesus works into us. It's not fear. It's faith to know and to rest assured that everything is moving toward Jesus. And so here's what that means. No matter what the outcome of things are after this Tuesday or whenever they figure it out months later, we can rest assured that Jesus is king. He is ruling and reigning And that everything is moving towards Him. And that He is going to make all things new. Which means that He's going to rid this world of brokenness and sin and pain and hurt. And in the so many times that we attack each other. And He's going to bring peace. He's going to bring wholeness. He's going to wipe tears away from our eyes. He's going to rip sin out by the roots. And he is going to bring us into a city that he's built with his very own hands. Just as he is bringing Abraham and Moses and all the others. And we too get to join that. That is glorious. We can have a faith that believes that and trusts in that in the midst of uncertainty. We can even have a faith that believes and trusts that God is at work even in the midst of suffering and even death. You read back through chapter 11 and you read these stories of all these people and, and terrible things happen to some of them. It even says some of them were ripped apart. Their bodies were ripped apart. But the faith that God had given his people as a gift, the assurance of things hoped for, that things were moving towards Jesus, the conviction of things that were not seen, that those promises are real and true, even though they didn't necessarily happen in my lifetime, we are moving towards a city that is being built by God's own hands. That even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of death and hardship and trial and pain, we have a faith that is sure because our Christ is sure. And God is working into us because he is at work in us, obedience to follow him and to trust in that and to place our faith and hope in Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross for you and for me. And he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And he is the author and perfecter of our faith. One of my, um, one of my favorite writers, um, to read is a, is a guy, he's still alive, an older guy named Wendell Berry. Uh, Wendell Berry was a professor for a number of years, an English professor at the University of Kentucky, and he's written several things, nonfiction uh, and fiction, and I've enjoyed um, both sides of that, of his work. And he's got a series of books that he's written that are fiction books that are, um, that are centered around this one town in Kentucky called Port William. And it's centered around a particular time and space. And that time is, is like ju- kind of like just prior to World War II, during World War II, and after uh, World War II. And he's written several books. And what he basically does in these books oftentimes is he takes a single person that he's created in this world of Port William, and he goes through their life. 
And one of my favorite books in that series is written is a book called Hannah Coulter. And Hannah is a woman who has come to the end of her life, and she's looking back on her life, and she's processing and reflecting everything that has happened. She is a woman who grew up um, in a home without a mother. Her mother died when she was young, so she was raised by her grandmother. And when she was very young, she also married a young man who was in Port William, who went off to fight in World War II, and he never came back. And then it's about her life after that, in that community, with those people, in those relationships, and even getting remarried and living and having children and all of that. And then she's coming to the end of her life, and it's like it's a memoir. She's writing down her life. And there's this one part where she's talking that I think really encapsulates this idea that we see in Hebrews 11. Faith being a gift that's given by God. It's assurance of things hoped for. Conviction of things that are not seen. That looks backwards and it looks forwards to the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus. And that everything is moving uh, toward Jesus as well too. And so I want to read that um, for us. Hannah writing, Even old, your husband is the young man you remember now. Even dead, he is the man you remember, not as he was, but as he is, alive still in your love. Death is a sort of lens, though I used to think of it as a wall or a shut door. It changes things and makes them clear. Maybe it is the truest way of knowing this dream, this brief and timeless life. As I've told it over, the past visible again in the present, the dead living still in their absence, this dream of time seems to come to rest in eternity. My mind, I think, has started to become, it is close to being, the room of love for the absent are present. The dead are alive. Time is eternal and all the creatures prosperous. The room of love is the love that holds us all. And it is not ours. It goes back before we were born. It goes all the way back. It is heaven's. Or it is heaven. And we are in it only by willingness. Beloved, our God is the author of faith. It's a gift that he gives us. That he works assurance of things hoped for. Conviction of things not seen. In our lives as we look back to what Jesus has done. And we look forward to what he is going to do in building a city with his very own hands. When we will join together with all of the saints of old who've gone before us and who will come after us. And we will live life fully flourishing without sin, without suffering, without pain, and with our God. Beloved, our God uh, wants us to leave here with his blessing to go out of these doors and into the world knowing that he is absolutely with us and that Jesus is ruling and reigning, um, that God's word is absolutely sure that we are defined by our Christ. And so hear this, take this in, and let's all try to live this week like we really, really believe it. Because it's true, beloved. The Lord will bless you and he will keep you. This week, the smile of the Father is upon you. And he will be gracious to you. And today and this week and this month, 2020, 2021, and in the age to come, 
Our God is with us. Everything is moving toward Jesus. And Jesus is building a city with his own hands for you and for me. And he will make us whole. He will bring peace. Go in that peace.